0: I am Pastor Peyton, and if you see me here it should be a clue that the others are away. So we want to keep them in prayer. Uh, Pastor Rafe and Pastor Lisa are away and traveling so we want to have travel prayers for them. Um, but we are so glad to have everyone here both in person and online. And just a reminder after this service we do have a church meeting so we please stay. If it seems like you should go, don't go. Just stay. We will have some things that occur after this. But if you would stand and join me in our call to worship. Something so big that we can't hold it. Something so deep we can't Yet it beckons. God. Truth. God is in it all and God us here. to feel some light, some to experience some love, to, some to worship. worship. Amen. Amen. So please join us as we worship with song. Please join us in our, join together in our invocation prayer. You have brought us, oh God, to another Lord's Day, when we are privileged to worship you with our brothers and sisters in Christ.
1: May we have unity
0: of mind and heart as we open ourselves to the movement of your Holy Spirit. As your love grows within us, may we have a rich fellowship with you. With one another in Christ's name, Amen, Amen. You may be seated. So we come to the time in our service where we talk about our pegs, the ways that we can pray, engage, give, and serve. And today's peg is about summer camp. How many here or online? You can give the little hearts. I will see in a minute if you've been there or not. Um, have been to summer camp at Warren Willis? Okay. So how many of your kids have been to summer camp at Warren Willis? Yeah, that's more like it. So Warren Willis is this thin space. It's this place in Fruitland Park, um, where our youth from fourth grade to 12th grade come together for different weeks over the summer. We go week two, and just for your knowledge, week two is June 27th to July the second, and we take youth and children fourth grade to 12th grade, and we don't want finances to be a barrier to camp. Does That make sense? We want all children that we can touch through New Horizon that would have a desire to experience summer camp in some way where that they are immersed in their spiritual faith with other youth from the state to be able to go to camp. What we have realized over the years is that that idea of what that ends up being is about a $5,000 scholarship fund. So throughout the year, our youth, and our children, and our parents, and all kinds of things happen that we raise money to help fund that summer camp scholarship. And the camp helps too. But our portion of the $5,000, we are so far about $2,000 to $2,500 into our fundraising for camp, which means we still need some help. You still have an opportunity to give. You also have an opportunity to pray and to engage others and let them know how they can help with summer camp. Um, So if you have questions or you want to know about camp, Find a youth in this church. They will all tell you their stories. Some of the best stories about summer camp come from those who went not expecting it to be this great week because it was a Jesus week and come back, and their favorite parts were small group and worship. So I invite you to be part of that in giving to help our camp scholarship fund. And with that, we're going to have some music, aren't we, Mr. Michael? Thank you. That was beautiful thank you so we come to a time in our service where we get to spend some time in the presence and in conversation with our Lord so I invite you as you prepare your hearts for this time to keep Pastor Lisa and Pastor Rafe in your prayers as they are away from us today that we think about the things that are going on in our world the things that are happening in our communities the sort of the trials and tribulations that we face each day. I am reminded each and every time I turn on the news that nothing is ever really guaranteed. So with that heart, please bow with me. Gracious and loving God, we are so grateful that you have brought us here today, that you have gathered us in this space, both here together, and online together. We are each connected in this community. Father God, we thank you for drawing us from darkness to the glory of your light. We pray as we just sang that our lights should shine. Let our light shine. May our spirits rejoice in the good news that you have for us today. May our hearts hear as the Spirit leads. Father, open our hearts to your healing love. Patient and loving God, sometimes we are just so busy. We pledge ourselves to hectic schedules and demands of time and energy and resources that zap our energy, that have us rushing through life, that sometimes have us not hear or see or heed the need of those crying out for help. Father, we ask that you would slow us down a bit. Lord, remind us and show us that we are responsible for the care of the world. We are responsible for loving those in our community. We are responsible for reaching out and offering your love and your healing to those in our community and our church and our congregations and our families and to all of those that we can touch with your love and your grace. Help us to hear the words of patient love that you have for us. And remind us again of Jesus' words to his disciples when he told them that they should love one another as he loved them may we take time to bear witness to that love in all that we do and all that we say to all that we reach each day father hear us as we pray together the way jesus taught us to pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Please join us as we sing the hymn, Spirit of the Living God. be seated so today we have a true joy we have Reverend Cynthia Weems our district superintendent here to share a message with us and you are going to love her if you've never heard her speak she's an amazing storyteller she's a fabulous speaker and preacher and she is truly a joy to have today so I want to welcome you up
2: Good morning. Good morning. It's so nice to be back with you again. I'm usually here for an anniversary or a, a, a groundbreaking or a ribbon cutting, amen. And all the the vital, wonderful things happening in New Horizon. It's a joy today to be here uh, preaching at both services and then leading you through the church conference that will be right after this worship service. And I encourage you to stick around for that. And we'll be efficient with it uh, as a, and in order to let you get on with your day. But at this moment, I'm. So grateful to have the time um, to be present with you. Um, Our district, the Southeast District, runs from Delray Beach to Key West. There are 60 United Methodist churches in that area, and you are one of them. My office is in Coral Gables, so I come to you from um, Central Dade, Uh, however, some years ago now, I was just thinking to myself, it was about 13, 14 years ago now, I was an associate at Plantation United Methodist, so I certainly have a soft spot spot in my heart for this part of Broward um, as well. Now this particular year, I've been spending some extra time with your leaders here at New Horizon because there's this little thing happening called a pastoral transition right and so that's when I you can laugh it's okay like it's not a little thing it's a really big thing and so that means extra time uh, that I spend with your leadership in preparing for that I really would like to extend um, a, a great depth of gratitude and thanks to Karen Brooke today because she is your staff parents chairperson right now and that's a big job when there's a pastoral transition so if you would, with me thank her it's like The staff parish chairperson becomes the head of HR and a lot of details for a a window of time when there's a pastoral transition in order to ensure that there's a wonderful farewell and a wonderful hello and that all the details are cared for. And Karen, you're doing an awesome job. Thank you so much for that. And it's my joy to be with you uh, in this season as well and I'm so excited uh, for all that is ahead. Now I'm gonna ask you to indulge me today. When you're a district superintendent, you're a pastor and a pastor at heart, but you're not pastoring a church in that moment. And so that means when I am at a church on a Sunday and and in this particular moment, it's the Easter season, I'm going to make you participate in something that was always something I enjoyed doing when I was pastoring a church. So in the Easter season, remember, Easter happens, but in the church, Easter begins at Easter. It doesn't end. And the Easter season lasts until Pentecost, which is a couple of weeks from now. And so, during the Eastern season, Easter season, in the Eastern Orthodox Church, they uh, celebrate what's called joke Sundays. Why do they have joke Sundays? Well, they celebrate the joke that Jesus played on the devil when he emptied the tomb, right? He was supposed to be dead, but again, it's okay, you can laugh, it's a lot, you can laugh. Like, I need you to prep here, I need you to prep. We have jokes coming, so be ready, you're supposed to laugh, all right? If your grandmother was like mine, you were taught not to laugh in church, but it's it really, it's okay. So, um, so I always enjoyed having some joke Sundays after Easter or during the Easter season, so I'm gonna, make you, I'm gonna make you participate with me today. Your job is to laugh, you only have one job. So the first one, I'm actually gonna share some cartoons with you. I love looking at the cartoons um, in the Sunday paper. And so, uh, and and I still get the actual Sunday. Do you know what a paper, you know what a newspaper is? (laughs) Like they actually come to your front porch or like further out than the front porch. You have to go get it. It's like like paper, paper, right? So I cut them out. Um, This one, a family circus. The the little tykes are with their parents and they're clearly at the zoo. And they must be in the Africa section. Like they're looking at the big animals that are out a ways away. And the little guy in the family says, this is like church, mommy. Everyone's whispering. <laughs> and then another family circus. You've got the older son coming home from what looks to be a piano lesson. He's got music in his hand. He's coming through the front door and he says, My piano teacher is very religious. She keeps closing her eyes and saying, Good Lord. <laughs> Thank you for indulging me. <laughs> our joke, our joke Sunday. Um, Our scripture today is the lectionary scripture for this day during the Easter season. It comes from Acts 11. So at Easter, we celebrate the the gospel story of the empty tomb. And during the Easter season, we kind of walk with the disciples and those early believers in, in kind of the aftermath of Easter. There was an aftermath. I mean, there were consequences to this belief that the tomb was empty. And in the book of Acts, we really walk with the disciples and those early believers through the good and the bad and those consequences of believing in the empty tomb. So today, the scripture from Acts 11 is interesting because it's actually a recounting of Acts 10. In Acts 10, Cornelius, a Roman officer and a Gentile, has an experience of he's he has become becoming a believer and he has an experience that leads him to invite Peter to come see him. Well, at the same time Peter ha- has had a dream from God that's preparing him for this encounter with Cornelius. So in Acts 10, we're told what happens between Cornelius and Peter. So Acts 11, which is our passage for today, is Peter's recounting of the experience. Now, why would we be reading from Acts 11? Why is Peter recounting what happened? He's having to defend himself. He's having to defend himself to the other apostles and to the early believers, all who are Jewish, about why he he did what he did when he encountered Cornelius the Gentile. So today, our passage is... Peter's defense of what happened with Cornelius. Let's, Let's dive right in. Now, the apostles and the brothers and sisters who were in Judea, all of them Jews, remember, heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, again, where all the Jews were, the circumcision party criticized him, those who were circumcised, the Jews, saying... Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something descending like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. And all of those things would have been considered profane in the eyes of, of the Jews. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them, Gentiles, and us. These six brothers also accompanied me and we entered the man's house, Cornelius. Cornelius told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had fallen upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they had heard this, they were silenced. And then they praise God saying, then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Willie Jennings is a theologian and a professor of theology at Yale Divinity School and has written a wonderful, very deep um, and profound commentary on the book of Acts. And in it, He writes these words about it. Remember, Acts, we believe Acts and Luke were written by the same author, Luke. They're kind of a compendium to one another, the gospel, and then this first book of the early church. He writes, the book of Acts speaks of revolution. We must never forget this. It depicts life in the disrupting presence of the spirit of God. Luke, its author, is a master storyteller, he says. He is a master storyteller because he follows God on the ground, working and moving in and through the quotidian realities of struggle, of blood and pain, suffering and longing. He never loses sight of God or of humanity, both locked in the drama of life together, aiming toward life abundant. The wonderful image for us, isn't it, thinking about how God and humanity are both locked in the drama of life together, aiming toward life abundant. I do believe and hope that is our relationship with our God. So interestingly, the story of Pentecost, which comes in the second chapter of Acts, which we'll get to in a few weeks when we celebrate Pentecost, and this story of Cornelius, are the stories that get the most attention in all of the book of Acts. And they have a similar theme. What happens when the Holy Spirit shows up? Amen? Because stuff happens when the Holy Spirit shows up. It shouldn't surprise us that in the book of Acts, the story of Pentecost, the story of Cornelius, take up a lot of time and energy. The Spirit shows up and it disrupts. It disrupts. So this story is so important in the book of Acts because it highlights the central problem for the early church. And remember, when we talk about the early church, we simply mean a bunch of believers. We don't mean a building, we don't don't mean a sign, we mean people who get together in small groups, in homes, simply because they believe that Jesus rose from the dead. That's the early church. And the central problem for the early church highlighted in this passage about Cornelius and Peter is this. Is the good news of Jesus raised from the dead for all people? Is the good news for all people? Some might argue that we are still wrestling with that question today. Is the good news of Jesus raised from the dead for all people? The first stories of Pentecost and now today's story deal with the people of Israel, which is logical, right? I mean, that's, that's our group of disciples, apostles, and early believers. They were Jews, right? And Jesus was theirs. He was the Messiah. They, they see him as Messiah as part of their Jewish roots. The early church was kosher, didn't eat any of the stuff that we just heard in our scripture. Right? And the early church was observant, right? The early church would have been a group of Jews who were observant of Jewish practice. They would have kept kosher. That was their identity. So someone like Cornelius, his presence, his very being, was a problem, was a problem. Now how did we even get to Cornelius? Cornelius lives in, Caesarea. Well, from Jerusalem, Jews began to move out toward what was known as the coastal road. The coastal road went from Joppa, which is where Peter was, to Caesarea. Jews begin to share this news about Jesus. And I don't know about your life, but you know when something good happens to you, when you've experienced something good, you often want to share it, right? And every once in a while, when you share something amazing that's happened in your life, someone hears it and wants to, I don't know, have a little, right? Wants to participate. So how do we find a Cornelius, a Gentile, an officer in the Roman army, who has come to love the God of Israel? Well, someone told him about the God of Israel, and someone told him about... Jesus. Cornelius is a problem. We're told in Acts 10 a little bit about him. Gentile, officer in the Roman army, those would have been terrible things in the eyes of the Jews, of course. He, he was called a God-fearer, devout, just. He gave alms and prayed, and he had really won the commendation of a whole Jewish, na- Jewish nation. He was considered what we might call a good Gentile. That's what we do, right? That's what we call people who are different from us. But they're good. He's a good Gentile. So enters Peter. And why Peter? Well, Peter becomes a huge, we're told he'll be the cornerstone of the church, right? Peter is a a critical character in this drama unfolding in the book of Acts. The key apostle. He has his dream These men come and invite him to go to Cornelius' house. He goes there, potentially with still prejudice in his heart, right? He's not supposed to go interact with a Gentile. But when he gets there, he's faced with this challenge. He's had this vision from God. He has been clear that he knows the, the laws, right, and the rules, God, I would never do that, right? The Torah is clear. We don't eat those things. they have never touched my lips. God responds, what I've made clean, don't call profane. Peter goes to Cornelius' house, and here is the problem presented to him. Can he recognize the work of God when it does not conform to how he thinks God works? Perhaps you've been confounded like that at times in your life. Can I recognize the work of God when it comes in a way that does not meet my expectation of how God works? Some years ago, in fact, it was when I served here at the church and plantation. I found myself um, confronted with a situation in my family, extended family, where a young person in my life, a young adult, um, someone with whom I was close, had made a decision that I wasn't happy with. Young adults do that, right? No one else does that. but, And I was struggling with how to um, talk with her about the very important matter of my commentary on her decision. Should I call her, should I write her, because she didn't live near, should I wait for the next family holiday to talk with her about what was very important, my impressions, my feelings about her decision. I needed to pray about it. That that was good. I I, I at least had that inclination. And I decided to use a method that we had been working with in a Bible study at the church. It's good when Bible studies lead you to actually do something different, right? So we had been talking through this method of prayer where you simply state the burden that's on your heart and then you leave room for God, imagine that. If your prayers are like mine, I have a lot to say. And there's not a lot of time left over for me to listen. So I, I have to be told to listen. But this method of prayer was to, was to do this. For five days straight, in, a person, in your prayer time, for me that was when I would walk each day, lift up the burden, the question, and then leave room. And lift it up again, and leave room. Lift it up again, leave room for five days. Now, interestingly, the burden for me was not, should I talk to this family member? Because I was already convinced that, well, of course I'm going to talk to this family member. Because what I have to share is important. Again, my commentary on her decision. My question was, how? Should I write her a letter? Should I send her an email? Should I talk about it on the phone? Should I wait till the next family gathering? That's really what I thought I was asking God. God, give me wisdom to know how to share this information. So for five days, I did that. Lifted up the burden, left room. Lifted up the burden, left room. And by the end of the week, the response from God was so clear, I don't know that I've ever had a prayer answered with such clarity, before that or after. You already know what the answer was, don't you? Don't say anything. I hate it when God does that. Ah! Don't, don't say anything. Cynthia, don't say anything. And I had a physical reaction to it, meaning I felt like the burden was lifted, the burden of me needing to put myself in the middle of something that was not about me. We do that sometimes, don't we? The burden was lifted, and it's as if God said, this young person in your life actually just needs you not to say anything. Willie Jennings, in his commentary on Acts, talks about these moments in Acts where the spirit shows up as interruptions. You know, sometimes we experience an interruption through a dream. Maybe we do through a dream, like Peter did. Out of that that agitation, that feeling, that I saw something, I heard something. What is that? Sometimes it comes to us when we allow it during a time of prayer. He talks about the moments in Acts where the Spirit shows up as interruptions. The Spirit was at work and the Spirit was causing an interruption. Now he goes on to say that the Jews experienced the interruption of the Gentiles. Right. So we have good news We're not silent about it. We're talking about it. We're talking about it on the coastal road where people can hear us. And word is spreading about our God, the God of Israel, and about what God has done through Jesus. And the Gentiles uh, like it. They like it. The Jews are experiencing the Gentiles as an interruption right? And their experience of the interruption was that it was kind of like an invasion, an invasion of their sacred space, right? an invasion of what they knew to be theirs, the God of Israel. A little bit like unwelcome visitors who stay too long. In Florida, we get those a lot, don't we? You're staying how many weeks? They come to Florida, and they're like, it's great down here. I'm not going to go back home. So the Jews experience the interruption of the Gentiles into their story as, you know, invaders, unwelcome visitors, staying too long. But Jennings wants us to reframe how to experience the interruption. He says this interruption by the Gentiles is really less about entry who's entering. And it's more about expansion. It's less about entry and more about expansion. The space of Israel, that history of the people of God that we walk through together, because it's our story now too, we walk through the history of Israel and our ancestors that The space of Israel is expanding by the Spirit and the number of people who worship the God of Israel is growing. That's a way to reframe the interruption. He says the Gentile question to the Jews in Acts is this one and this is profound. So Cornelius, this is really the Cornelius question for Peter and for the Jews in Acts. What will you do if I join you at the body of Jesus and fall in love with your God and with you? What will you do? Because that's what happened, right? The Gentiles began to fall in love with the God of Israel. To fall in love with the story of Jesus, raised from the dead. And to fall in love with the followers of Jesus, the Jews. And this just didn't happen. Jennings writes, this is the most terrifying aspect of interruption. Love. That the result is love think about your own lives have you experienced what we would call interruptions grandchildren that need to come and live with you for a while a new co-worker or a new boss a change of plans an elderly parent who needs extra care from you or i don't know maybe a new pastor coming to serve your church this summer, right? Interruptions. If you're like me, I often experience those interruptions as invasions. Invasions, unwelcome visitors that are staying too long. Interrupting my plans, my routine, my life. But oftentimes, when we give it a little time and space, we do find that those interruptions allow us to expand. We expand our households. We expand our work relationships. We expand our time and how we spend it. We expand our hearts. Those spirit-led interruptions can lead to love. A greater degree of it. Ultimately, the early church would become more like a church over time. And the early church would be something that nothing else was in that time. It would become a church of Jew and Gentile, of rich and poor, of free and slave, of male and female. You would not have been able to find a body that looked like that in any other part of society at that time. But That was the early church. And so thus you get the letters of Paul to the church in Corinth where he's addressing those matters because It was hard and sticky and messy to be that church. The the interruption of the Holy Spirit led to, to that vital, flourishing church. I would argue that the church flourished because it was that church. Everybody in the room together learning to love. Mother Teresa was known for saying that the ills of the world, she believed the ills of the world, all go back to the fact that we have forgotten that we belong to each other, that we belong to each other. I think about Peter and Cornelius in that moment, both of them tried to make sense of these dreams and these visions and these voices and they kind of belonged to each other, didn't they? And we learn that they both belong to the God story. And many others would belong to the God story. You and I, we now belong to the story of God. The good news is for all people. Thanks be to God. Let me close with just repeating again those final verses of our scripture today. Where Peter says, If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? So when they heard this, they were silenced. And then they praised God, saying, then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Sisters and brothers, God has given us and all people the gift that leads to life. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Oh God, we thank you for life abundant. We thank you that you walk with us here on earth, aiming toward the realization of your kingdom. Lord, we hesitate to thank you for the interruptions in our lives, but we know we must. We trust that the Spirit is at work in and through us. Lord, that we might be a people that expands our understanding of life and love and all of creation. We offer our lives to you Oh God, amen.
0: As you prepare to leave this place, may we be a community that flourishes in the disruptions of the Holy Spirit. And even though you're not going to leave right this moment, when you do leave, leave in love and share the gospel with all that you meet. Amen? Amen. Amen. We will get around to starting the meeting soon. So... Don't leave, but if you need to go water, whatever, please do.